Welcome to the Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. Before we moved into the warehouse and expanded to multiple campus locations, Rolling Hills met in a movie theater. And now we're visiting the movies once again in our series, At The Movies. Whether it be a hero's journey, a villain's downfall, or a fairy tale ending, everyone loves a movie with a good story. But every good story borrows from God's story. In this series, we're looking at five different movies to see how we can find faith stories in film. Now let's tune in. Well, as I was catching up on Indiana Jones for the past several weeks, which I can honestly say is the first time I've ever started out a sermon with that statement. Uh, As I've been catching up on Indiana Jones for the past couple of weeks, I have been uh, really struck by some of the comments and some of the uh, interesting uh, things that we learn in these storylines. And the one that jumps out most to me is probably one that you heard here. And maybe it's, it's one that really, that really you have connected with. And it's where Indiana Jones is being uh, in this precarious situation and it's being uh, chased down. Uh, he needed to chase down a truck and he and Marion and Salah are there. And uh, Indiana Jones says he's going after the truck and to meet me at Omar's. And they say, how are you going to do it? And he quotes, I don't know. I'm making it up as I go. Can anyone relate to that line of thinking? Absolutely. We all have those moments, don't we, when we would say, I don't know what the next step might be. I'm just kind of making it up as I go. And I laughed and I wrote down that quotation because day after day, I keep coming back to that truth because it's solid. In fact, we all have those moments, those moments when I'm not really sure what to do. I'm not sure what my next step needs to be. I may not have a long-term plan, I don't know if this parachute works, but there's one way to find out by jumping out of the plane, whatever the case might be. Now, before you all go running out the back door because you think to yourself, okay, I'm at a place that has no vision or no strategy or these people don't care at all about long-term plans, that is not the case at all. We have a lot of plans, a lot of strategy, a lot of things that we operate here under. But lest we forget, sometimes in the life of faith, it does often feel like that we're kind of on what I like to call a wing and a prayer. And you don't necessarily always know what the steps are that you need to take. In fact, if you don't feel like at times in your spiritual journey that you're making it up as you go, I question if you're really taking enough risks because life doesn't always map out for us exactly like we want it to. You know, for example, when's the last time that you were handed a 10-year plan for your life? And in that plan, all of the pitfalls, all of the highs, all the lows, all of the losses, all the wins, all the celebrations, all the trials, everything was mapped out for you for 10 years with specific dates as to when it was going to happen. When is the last time that has happened to anybody? I'll, I'll wait. I don't think that happens for any of us, does it? But yet what happens every time, if we will trust God, is God makes himself known and he guides us each and every step of the way and he desires to show us what he wants to do, how he is working. And my prayer is that you would see that today because we're going to unpack today what it means to be a servant of the Lord, to be someone who ministers to others, to be someone who is on the front lines of making the lives of other people better through serving and using our gifts and our abilities and the talents that God has given us. But in full disclosure, it is, a, is it a little bit scary and a little bit risky at times to step up and say, God, whatever you want to do, I will be used by you. Amen. That's risky at times, and that takes some courage, and it takes a step of 
faith. But my hope and my prayer is that God would guide us today and that he would show us what it means to trust him, to take the steps of faith that he's asking us to take to be available for him. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. A special welcome to all of you here with us for the very first time. Thank you for saying yes to whoever invited you. Thank you for inviting people. Thank you for finding us on the web and coming and visiting with us today. It truly means so much to us. And my hope and my prayer is that you would realize that you're not here by accident and that God would teach you and show you what it is that he wants to show you today through his word. So with that in mind, why don't we pray together and just ask God uh, to show us what he wants to show us today through his word. Lord, thank you again for this day. We're so grateful for who you are. God, you are so good, and your love and your mercy endures forever. We thank you for worship, for song, and for community, and for all those things, God, that we know are acts of worship to you. And we pray now that as we set our sights on your word, that you would teach us and that you would grow us, that you would help us to see what it is that you want to show us today, God, as we open ourselves up to you. And it's in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus Christ that we pray and ask all these things. Amen and amen. Now, Indiana Jones is so good. It's so classic. It's such a good storyline. And what I love more than anything in fact, one of the things that I love is that Indiana Jones is willing to overcome his fears. He's willing to overcome the challenges, the obstacles, to take some risks, to go what he is searching for, to go after what he's searching for. And honestly, I know that I have room to grow in this area, and my assumption is maybe you do as well, to be willing to say yes to whatever it is that we need to do. And I'm excited to show you this parable of Jesus to map out a really interesting perspective on what it is that God shows us and how he wants us to be involved in his service, why we do it, why we serve, why this matters in the, the, the first place. Now, this Sunday concludes our At the Movie series. For those of you who are with us for the very first time, we've been spending a few weeks taking a movie, a movie that most people love, a movie that people at least have some familiarity with, and looking at the biblical themes in those stories. Now, what you may not know about Rolling Hills is we're a 20-year-old church that started with a small group of people back in Franklin, Tennessee 20 years ago, and one of the first places we met was at the movie theater. And so movies are in our blood. We love the storylines, and I think that most of us like movies because there are stories and there are themes that we connect with in those movies. This, of course, is no exception, and what we've sought to do is to take a parable, a teaching of Jesus, and to show you some similar truth and what we can glean from that. And so today I'm going to be studying Matthew 25, 14 through 30. And my hope and my prayer again is that God would speak to you through this parable. Now it's known as the parable of the talents or parable of the bags of gold, depending on what your translation says. Perhaps you have some familiarity with this story. It's where there is a, uh, a master of a, of, a, of a field and he gives talents or treasures or resources or gifts to his workers, and he sees what they do with those talents. And so if you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, we're going to read verses 14 through 30. It's going to be up here on the screen as well. You can hop on a mobile device and follow along. Starting in verse 14, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. And to one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And the man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. 
Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And the man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So usually at this point in the message, I, I would go back through and kind of give you an overview of the message. And I would kind of map out, these are some of the verses, this is what this meant. But I thought this morning I would try something a little bit different because this is the conclusion of our At the Movies series, meaning it's at the conclusion of this moment when we're looking at theatrical stories. So I thought, what a better way to really reiterate the truths in this parable than to act it out. So is that okay with you? just to act it out. And what I have learned is that we're all actually really kids at heart. And sometimes if you kind of look at something through a kid's perspective of, oh, this is just like how they would act it out if I was five years old, you probably are going to remember it more than you would by me just talking about it. So I've asked some of our band to come on out. And so I voluntold them that they get to help me with this. And so thank you guys for volunteering uh, to come on out and help me with this. And so um, I am going to officially name you guys worker number one worker number two, and worker number three. Let's hear it for these folks who volunteered. And um, so you're worker one, you're worker two, you're worker number three. And so I am going to be the man who goes on the journey, the man who you all, you all work for me. I'm also the script writer. I'm also the narrator. I'm also the prop master. I also was in charge of casting. Uh, and I have put together a green room for you guys in the back uh, for, for this. So um, I have a lot of jobs here. And so you guys just kind of have to follow along and act this out as you see fit. So at the center of the parable is a man who has people who work for him. Now, that's me. And there's workers. That's you. And once upon a time, uh, there was a man getting ready to go on a journey. And here's what you need to know about this man. He was really smart, intelligent, a great leader, insightful. <laughs> but in the essence of time, we can't name all of his qualities. So his bags uh, were packed, and he was ready to go for some R&R at the beach. But before he went, he called out to his workers, Hey, workers! Thank you. I was, remember that whole part of just play along. Just go with it, okay? And the workers assembled joyfully. Maybe a little less joyful, but joyful. Okay, nonetheless. And so to each worker, I am going to give some responsibilities. I'm going to give some talents. And so to you, worker number one, you're going to get five. Congratulations. We're going to see what you're able to do with these. To worker... Number two, you're going to get two. And then to worker number three, you're going to get, oh my, 
Goodness, let's just throw those down there. We'll need those for later. And so uh, there you go. So you'll get one. Now, I'm getting ready to uh, go on a trip. And so you guys do some work. I want you to see if you can make more. Maybe, maybe if you're five, could become 10. Maybe your two could become two. And then you just do whatever you want to do over there. Okay. And so uh, you guys uh, get to work. Uh, and so just shoo, get to work, give them some work music. And I'll be back for my trip in just a second. And after a long time, the man returned from his trip, and he called everyone, Hi, how are you? <laughs> the beach was awesome. I mean, just some R&R is exactly what I needed. And I know you know what they say, while the cats are away, the mice will play. So let's see, uh, let's see if you guys got anything done with your, w- with your work. So, so worker number one, what were you able to do? Awesome. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Worker number two, what were you able to do? I took a two and I turned him into four. Amazing. And worker number three, what did you do with your one? Uh, I buried it. So you took what I gave you and you buried it. I have one thing to say to you. Away from me. Literally, back behind the curtain. Away from me. Let's hear it for our cast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you all so much for playing along. Again, that might be the last time that I ever do that, but we'll see. I think it was kind of fun. And this is one of my favorite parables. Now, why is it one of my favorite parables, and why do I go to great lengths to make sure that you understand the parable? I go to great lengths to put on a kid's skit, to talk about it, to teach through it now, because I think this is a misunderstood parable. I think this is one of the parables that we read it, and we think we know what it means, But in essence, there's more to the story because we hear this story and we think to ourselves, well, it's just all about the resources God gives us and I need to be faithful. And he gives me a dollar, then I need to try to make it $2. When in reality, there is something much deeper rooted in this story. In fact, this is a commissioning from God to us to go work with what we have. It's a commission from God to us to be stewards of not only the resources, but stewards of the gifts and stewards of the talents and stewards of the things that God has blessed us with. And at the heart of the story, in fact, the subject of the story, the most important part of the story is actually not worker number one, worker number two, or worker number three. The most important person in the story is the guy who gives the gifts, the master. Simply put, Jesus is showing us in this parable who he is, and what he yearns to do for us. Go back to verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. And to one, he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his own ability. And then he went on his journey and lived life. And then he comes back and he sees what's going to happen. So there is a master who gives talents and he gives giftedness and he gives abilities to those who receives them. And then it says he leaves and he goes to work. So what does this mean for you today? What does this mean for me? Why is this so earth shattering? Simply put, Jesus is showing us in this parable that God is the source of your giftedness. God is the source of your giftedness. Now this may come as a newsflash to some of you and I hope that it does not, but did you know that you are gifted? And I'm not saying that just in kind of an ooey-gooey, let me make, you sh- make sure that you feel good about yourself kind of sermon. You are gifted. 
You have been given a gift from God. You've been given resources from God. You've been given talents from God, abilities from God, and those have been given to you for a specific purpose. And the scripture says that God gave those to you according to your ability. And we look at Matthew chapter 25, and this is one of the things that we actually misunderstand about this parable, because we think that that word ability means that I only have a certain ability, and therefore God's going to give me based on my ability. I was a C student. I can never be expected to do more than C work, and so that's my ability. When in fact, that word ability is not just meaning what you are able to do currently, but that word is actually better translated power or capability. Uh Uh-oh, this is huge. It adds a whole new meaning to this parable. It's not just that God gives me things based on my ability, what I can currently do, but rather what I am capable of doing. Meaning God gave five talents to one person. He was capable of more. He got more and he did more. He gave two talents to the second person. He knew he was capable of more. He got more and he did more. And then to the one with one talent, God knew he was capable of more But he stopped with that one talent, and he buried it, and you see the end of the story. Now, I don't know precisely the gifts of every person in this room, but I do know that every person in this room is gifted, and it is of the utmost importance for you to discern and for you to figure out a way to use that gift, to serve in that gift, to find a way to strengthen the life of our church, to strengthen the life of believers, to strengthen the life of the community of faith with your giftedness. The scriptures remind us that you have a spiritual gift. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a gift from the Holy Spirit that is used precisely for building up the body of believers in this place. God sees what you're capable of doing, And he gives you those gifts, and he gives you those talents, and you either rise to the occasion or you bury it. And embedded in this parable is a crucial part of the understanding of your gift. Are you ready for it? Maybe you've never thought about this before. And maybe this will open up kind of a new perspective on this parable. You see it here on the screen. To be faithful with the talents and the resources is actually more important than the talents themselves. Amen? To be faithful with the talents and the resources you have is actually more important than the talents themselves. It's easy for us to look at these kind of passages and say, well, I'm just the guy that has one measly little gift, and that's all I've got. So how could God use me? I wish I could be like her. She's really gifted. Or all I can do is greet people at the front door. I can't sing on stage. I can't teach kids. All I can do is show up to help clean up the campus. See, Jesus is showing us in this passage that he is so much more interested in our faithfulness to our talents than he is the talent themselves. Let me repeat that. God is showing us in this passage that it's more important to be faithful to what he has given you than what he's actually given you. I mean, listen to the response of God to worker number one, verse 21. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Now look at God's response to the servant who took two talents to four. It's in verse 23. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. In fact, just so you can see these side by side, I've asked the guys in the back to put both of these verses up. The first one is the response of the master to the servant who took five talents to 10, and the bottom one is the one who took two talents to four. Do you notice anything about this acknowledgement from God? They're the same. 
They're exactly the same, down to the semicolon. This is profound. What God's trying to show us here is if I'm mispleased with the guy who took five to ten, as I am with the guy who took two to four, it doesn't really matter what the talent is itself, but it matters are you going to be faithful to what the Lord has given you. So to be faithful is far more important than the list of things that I'm actually capable of doing. Now, I can't say this with full clarity because I don't get to add to the Bible, but my hunch, which I look forward to getting answered in heaven, is that if the guy with one had taken one talent and made it two, my hunch is that he would have received the same acknowledgement from God as the one with ten and as the one with four, meaning it's not as important about what you're actually doing as much as it is to be faithful with what God has put in front of you. I believe it's time, my friends, that we kind of let go of that comparison game. I think the comparison trap, and I think that comparison game is eating some of us alive. Because we look at everyone else and we think, well, I'm not as talented as him, so God can't use me. Or I don't have the skill set that she does, and God can't use me. I could never be like that. And for some of us, it's dragging us down. But in the eyes of God, the talent that you have to rock a baby, to play an instrument, to brew coffee, to open a door, to clean up our campus outside, those talents are all one in the same. That obedience to that giftedness is one in the same. How do we know this to be true? Listen to what Paul said to the church in Colossae, Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Do you ever wake up in the morning and think to yourself, everything that I'm doing today is an opportunity for me to serve the Lord, not just man. It's the Lord that I'm working for. Some of you are teachers in the room. God bless the teachers because after spring break, I know you guys struggle. I mean, I know every teacher here, they're always, by spring break on, it is just cough drops and Diet Coke that is getting you through. I'm aware of that because you have had people breathing on you, germs on you for weeks up on end, and you think to yourself, I've just got to get through But what would it look like for you to start your day by saying, I actually work for the Lord. And when I work for the Lord, that's what allows me to get up and to keep putting one foot in front of the other. For you parents in the room that have little ones at home, and by little ones, I mean the ones that don't really follow the schedule you want them to follow because they're up at three o'clock in the morning and they need somebody to feed them and they need somebody to change them. And and you wish that they could just kind of get with the program because life would be a lot easier if they just followed your schedule. But what would it look like in the middle of the night to say, as frustrated as I might be, or as much as I just wish that this kid would go back to sleep, Lord, help me to know that it's you that I'm serving. It's not just this child. It's not just another person's child. But it's you that I am serving. Whatever I do, I want to work at it with all of my heart for the Lord, not for human masters. How about those challenges that you have at work? Those things that you've just been avoiding, but you know you need to get in the middle of it because God's going to teach you something in the middle of it, and you've been avoiding it for way too long. What would it look like tomorrow to say, I know it's the Lord that I'm serving and not man. Help me, God, to step in obedience to what it is that you're asking me to do. See, everything that you and I do, it is an opportunity to work for the Lord. So will you be faithful? Or will you allow all the obstacles and all of the fear and all the risk to get in the way of preventing what it is that God may want to do in your life. Now, one of the other things I love about Indiana Jones is how normal of a guy he is. Now, he's in very abnormal situations, 
But he's a really normal guy. Indiana Jones is actually not a superhero. Sometimes we lump him up with Avengers and Star Wars and all those other kind of things. But he's not a superhero because he doesn't have any superpowers. He's a professor who, by the way, didn't let a fear of snakes, which is hands down one of the most disturbing nightmarish scenes that I've ever seen in a movie, to begin with. He doesn't allow that fear to prevent him from chasing after the lost ark, for example. But if we're not careful, what will we do? If we're not careful, and you see this here on your notes, fear will always stand in the way of how God wants to use you. Have you seen that to be true in your life? I know I have for me. Fear will always stand in the way of how God wants to use you. See, fear was the Achilles heel of worker number three. Go back and look, verses 24 and 25. The man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Fear will fully prevent you from experiencing all that God has in store for you. Fear will prevent you from experiencing what God has in store for you. Sometimes people ask me, Pastor Jason, are, are, are you ever afraid? Do you ever get nervous when you stand up and speak in front of people? To which my response is, uh, yeah, every time. Because what if I say something that's not theologically accurate? Or what if I stumble on my words and I say something I'm not supposed to say? Or what if in my movement across the stage I take one step too far and I just do a belly flop right off the front of the stage? And of course, that would be what you all catch on video. Um, Or what if I allow the fears for my family or the fears for the unknown or all those fears to get in the way? And the reality is, I don't think that you ever fully eliminate fear, but what you have to do is you have to look fear in the face and say, fear has no place in my life. Fear has no place in my ministry. Fear has no place in your life. Fear has no place in your family. Fear has no place in your ministry. In fact, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And that's what allows you to stare fear in the face and say, I will not be held captive by that. I will not be held hostage to this fear. So what would it take like, what would it take in your life to say, you know what, I have no fear. Whatever comes my way, whatever you want to do, God, I will seek to be faithful. And in full disclosure, I'm notoriously guilty for looking at opportunities that come my way. And, And I run it through these filters and I run it through these different perspectives, and maybe you do this as well. The three filters that I often use is a filter of fear. It's a filter of convenience, and it's a filter of ability. And you have, a, you have something that you want to do or something that you feel like God has gifted you to do or something you want to try, and these perspectives, these filters will get in our way. The filter of fear sounds like this. I'm afraid to try that. The filter of convenience sounds like this. Too much is going to be asked of me. And the filter of ability sounds like this. I'm not as good as they are. And maybe that's how you feel when you see us recruiting for volunteers here at the church. Do you know that one of the things that we do, one of our full-time jobs for everybody who works at Rolling Hills Community Church is recruiting. We're seeking to develop and recruit you and to get you engaged with serving, to get you serving in a variety of capacities. It's always been one of our jobs. It will always be one of our jobs. And I was asking our team just this week, what are some of the greatest needs that you have right now? Like if you could just kind of pluck 10 people out of the air to serve in some capacity. And this is what they said, and these are very specific, so you can write these down. Acoustic guitar players, leaders for high school guys on Wednesday nights, and three-year-old and four- and five-year-old workers at our 1030 service. So that's as specific as we can get for you today. Three-year-old workers, four- and five-year-old workers at this service, 
Leaders for high school guys on Wednesday nights and acoustic guitar players. See, the filter of fear sounds like this. I don't know enough about the Bible to teach teenagers. The filter of convenience sounds like this. Well, to serve in family ministry, I would have to be here two hours, and I'm not sure I want to be here two hours, and I'm not sure my kids would want to be here two hours, and two hours just seems like a lot. The filter of ability sounds like this. I've never done it before, so they probably couldn't use me. I believe some of our fears are preventing us from experiencing an element of our faith journey that the Lord wants to use that maybe we have never experienced before. Because with the guy with one talent, lest we forget, fear was his detriment. Fear was what dictated his story. So how about instead of saying, I'm not sure what's convenient, I'm not sure that I have the ability, but I want to make myself available. I have a background in working with student camps, and in fact, it's where I cut my teeth in ministry, so to speak, was working with teenagers and working with camps and adults like you who would bring teenagers to camp. And one of the jobs that we had at camp was taking a bunch of people, hundreds of people, and in the course of a couple hours, putting them all in groups, in their ministry track groups and their groups where they'd go out to serve. And it's a major logistical process, primarily because we give a lot of freedom to the people to decide what they want to do. And so we would give you a card, and we would give you three choices. Do you want to do this? Do you want to be in this group? Do you want to be in that group? And you know when you've ever had anything that you organize that you have ratios that you need to hit. And we needed 10 people to do this, 10 people to do this, and 10 people to do this. Well, you get your cards back, and 29 want to do this, and one wants to do this. But every so often... It was by no means every card, but every week there would be a handful of cards that would come in, and I call them the golden cards. And the golden cards were the adults and the teenagers that would write on their card, wherever is needed. And when you would see a wherever is needed card, the skies would open, Handel's Messiah would play, the Hallelujah Chorus would reign supreme over the room because you thought to yourself, I can work with this. This person has zero expectations. They don't know what they have said yes to. (laughs) They have no idea what we're getting ready to throw to them. But they came with a posture that said wherever is needed. And I think in our ministry, and this goes far beyond serving at Rolling Hills Community Church, I think in our ministry, If we would come with a posture and say, God, wherever you need me, I want to be used by you, I think we would go to the next level in our faith journey. And we would go to a level in our faith journey that the Lord would would show us some things that we've probably never experienced before. Just earlier this month, I had a guy here at Rolling Hills reach out. It was actually our grand opening weekend. And it was like on the Friday of grand opening weekend, and he reached out to our staff, and his question was very, very simple. He said, is there anything I can do to help? And uh, on that particular day, what he did not know is right back here in the back parking lot, there was a small tree that had fallen into a parking spot. And um, they were like, well, this guy reached out and said, is there anything you can do with his help? And I was like, well, ask him if he has a chainsaw and if he can come and cut down this tree. And uh, they were like, hey, well, this small tree fell and uh, we need someone to cut it down. Would you be willing to do that? To which his response was, on it. Man, that was helpful. I had no idea. I don't think he knew what he was even saying yes to. He probably thought, is there like a window I can wash or something? And we were like, yeah, if you could bring a chainsaw, maybe cut down a tree and get rid of the wood, if you wouldn't mind, that would be awesome. And he did it. But see, in reality, when you and I step up in faith and say, God, whatever it is you want to do in my life, 
I believe God works in a way that can only be described by him. Now, does that take some fear? Or is, that, is there some fear involved in that? Is there some risk involved in that? Absolutely. There will always be fear. And there will always be risk. In fact, you see this here on your notes. There is always risk involved when you step up to minister to others. There is always risk involved when you step up to minister to others. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, The Spirit, though, that God gave us doesn't make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. See, to step out is risky. You find yourself stepping into situations that you may not know what's going to be asked of you. Maybe you'll be asked to pray for someone or to face your own struggles in order to help someone else out, and that is risky. One of the things that we ask you to do all the, all the time here at church is we say, go meet your neighbors, go invite your neighbors to church, go reach out to people. I mean, we say it all the time, and you do it. Thank you for doing that. But just this week, again, I can't make this stuff up. Just this week, I had two people reach out to me independently, not in the same setting, not even in the same part of town, reach out to me and said, hey, I've got a story to share. And the first one was from someone in a community group, and, and they said, you're all the time saying that you want us to go out and meet our neighbors and say hello to our neighbors, and I worked up enough courage to do that. And so I saw my neighbor outside, and I walked outside, and I said, hey, neighbor. And he looked at me and then just put his face down and walked away. <laughs> Two days later, I had someone say to me, Pastor Jason, you're all the time telling us that we should go out and meet our neighbors. And so I had mustered up the courage to do that. And I walked outside and I saw there was a new neighbor that had moved in and we hadn't met yet. And I went over and I introduced myself. And I said, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm a Rolling Hills Community Church. Just wanted to introduce myself. And the guy looked back at them and said, thank you so much, but we're probably not going to be friends. <laughs> so yeah, there's that. Um, <laughs> So there's that. Not everybody shows up with you at church. Not everybody says, thank you for caring enough about me to come and say hello. But in both of these situations, I followed up with the question, but was it worth it? Yes. Why? Because you take a step of faith and there's risk connected with that. Not everybody's going to respond that way though, will they? Some will and some won't. But yet, that's the faith journey. And when we step into this faith journey, we see that the most meaningful journey is the journey of faith. The most meaningful journey in life, it is the journey of faith. Don't you love that scene from Indiana Jones when he walked over that invisible bridge? A journey of faith. I love the Israelites. The Israelites, they stepped into the water in order for the water to part. We read that story, and we think that God parted the water 100 meters back. Oh, no. They took a step into the water, knowing full well they're walking into a sea, and that's when God parts the water. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we live by faith, not by sight. See, the life of faith is where it all begins. God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to this earth so that we could have life. It's the gospel, and the gospel is accepted by faith alone, and it's faith in God who we cannot see to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. It's faith to believe that God's going to use my brokenness to serve someone else. It's faith that God has given you a gift to be used for his glory. And that life of faith means that at times I don't know what I'm signing up for. I don't know what I've really gotten myself into. I'm not really sure what's going to be asked of me. I'm not sure I have the skills needed. And honestly, I feel like I'm going to have to make this up as I go along. But I believe the holy God of the universe and that there is power in him and that through him I am capable of using my gifts for his ability. God sincerely wants to use you, my friends. 
And my hope and my prayer is that there would be an outpouring this morning of service, an outpouring of people who invite, an outpouring of people who would say, I want to be there for others, an outpouring of people who would say, you know what, I've been sitting on the sidelines far too long. I want to be involved in what it is that God has in store for me. Why? Because he has blessed me. He has gifted me. He has given me resources. He has given me talent. He has given me abilities. And I want to surrender that for the good of others to the glory of God. And so may each of us today hear the words of Jesus spoken to us just like they were spoken to servant number one and servant number two in Matthew 25, 21. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Share this episode with movie lovers, friends, and family in your life. Make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.